Good evening, it's 7-11 p.m. Sunday, January 10th, 2021. Oh, it sounds like music. <laughs> it sounds like music. <sighs> the 10th. That leaves only another nine days until goodbye. Goodbye to the old and in with the new administration. Whew. Couldn't come fast enough. The key is these are going to be these are going to be the most critical days in the life of the world in terms of our survival. But um, the last I heard was that the news is reporting Nancy Melosi, Nancy. Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives in Congress, has met with uh, who's ever in charge at the Pentagon, and they've assured her that they've done whatever they needed to do to make sure that the madman in Washington does not set off a nuke, does not nuke us to death. So now we only have to deal with all the other shenanigans. <coughs> and yes, we can. There's a website here, Thoughts. Thoughtscapism.com This is a food science and um, looks like a biology Some of this and some of that. They have a newsletter and a blog. They cover just about everything under the topic of science, food, medicine, environment. Here's a sample. Posted on May 7th, 2018, Measures of Toxicity. This article is co-written by biologist Lita Rushalmi. Yours truly at Thoughtscapism 
and neuroscientist Allison Bernstein, a.k.a. Mommy, Ph.D. from Psy Moms. We live amidst a mind-boggling rich sea of molecules. Nowadays, we also have astonishingly sophisticated methods of chemical detection at our disposal and are able to measure smaller and smaller traces of substances in our environment. In our environment. This is great. We can learn to understand molecular interactions better than ever before. And with the help of this information, we can also better monitor and regulate potentially harmful exposures. But... When we know, we worry. Sometimes this wealth of knowledge leads to undue fear of substances even when they are present in minute quantities that pose little risk and a wish to remove these traces all together. However, trying to remove all traces of unwanted substances in our environment is an impossible goal. As we have written before, we often strive for choices with Zero risk. However, zero risk is an impossible goal. Certain activists and consumers seem to want an even more conservative goal of zero exposure, whether there is risk or not. Zero risk and zero exposure are impossible goals. Nearly everything we do has both risks and benefits. Everything, even in action, carries risk. Thus, decisions both personal, and regulatory are a matter of balancing the relative risks and benefits of your choices and choosing the level of risk you find acceptable rather than of trying and 
inevitably, inevitably failing to avoid all risk and all exposure to hazards. An absolutely clean state of being is a fantasy. Life itself is a messy chemical phenomenon which has arisen, arisen in and continues to adapt to environments that vary greatly in chemical composition. Biology is an act of balancing a mix of millions of molecules in proportions that enable the continued functioning of body process, processes like homeostasis, protein synthesis, and self-replication. When a dose of a substance is high enough to disturb these dynamics in a living organism in some significant way, it is considered toxic. In order to measure risks, scientists must first establish metrics to define a level that represents minimal risk. These metrics generally fall into two groups, acute toxicity metrics and chronic toxicity metrics. Acute toxicity is the kind of harm which describes classical poisoning effects. People often compare measures of acute toxicity expressed as LD50, which measures lethal effects from a large one-time dose. When trying to place these exposures in context, as the famous quote goes, quote, the dose makes the poison, close quote. See Dr. Camille Ryan's version of an acute toxicity comparison with that very title here. Mm. 
the link is provided in acute toxicity comparison. However, as noted by Allison in a previous piece, let's get something straight about LD50. It is a measure of acute toxicity that is LD50 is relevant for accidents, murders, or suicides. In LD50 or the median lethal dose and the related LC50 median lethal concentration for inhalation rather than ingestion are measured of acute toxicity only. Acute toxicity relates to adverse effects that occur after a single exposure or multiple exposures within a day and effects that manifest immediately or within two weeks of the exposure. The LD50 is determined experimentally usually with rats or mice. It is single acute dose that will kill 50% of a population given that dose. If you have a test population of 100 rats, it is the dose found to be sufficient to kill 50 of them. Likewise, the LD50 for humans is the dosage of a compound estimated that would kill 50 out of 100. LD50s tell us about risk in cases where someone is exposed to a large amount of a chemical in a short amount of time. In other words, accidents, murders, or suicides. She's included a chart here for a list of substances, water, sucrose, MSG, or monosodium glutamate, and another long, long list in the lethal dose.
where they're found in a, a category column. Let's look at sodium. We have sodium chloride, table salt, a lethal dose LD50, milligrams slash kilograms. A lethal dose is listed as 3,000 milligrams per kilogram. I'm assuming that per kilogram is reflects the body weight because they're referring to the human ingestion and usually they um, the doctors will determine how many milligrams to prescribe based on their patient's body weight so but that's just my opinion. Oh my goodness. She has uh, categories practically non-toxic. She has water, sucrose, monosodium glutamate, ethanol, glyphosate, aluminum hydroxide, hmm, okay, and the point I believe is to make her point is that there is a There's a bit of toxicity in all elements. Food science, babe. It's something that a relative sent me. And of course you get um <laughs> get all these different opinions, but this one MD says misinformation is a hell of a drug. When people gravitate toward misinformation and resources providing disinformation, and it doesn't go on, I mean, it ends right there. Well, Food Science Babe, if you want to check that out, and the other one. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole because um, science can easily lead you down a, a rabbit hole if you really, really 
into it. See what else they have. Pixie Turner, registered nutritionist, I believe, nutrition counselor and trainee, psychotherapist, London and virtual clinic. Helping, helping improve your relationship with food at North Bank Talent link tr.ee forward slash pixie nutrition and also on Instagram pixie turner Let's click on COVID-19. Okay, you have to switch over to something. Something else. Added sugars. Now, we'll skip that one. Oh, this is good information. They have an endless number of topics once you click on the first page. But you may need to go to Instagram or if you're in Facebook, you may have to leave Facebook and go to Instagram. Added sugars. Food science babe. Let's follow that one. Okay, well, uh oh, just to reiterate, as this seems like a common misunderstanding. Food. This is the food science, babe. Looks like, oh, here's the page I was looking for. This thought, thoughtscapism, T-H-O-U-G-H-T-S-C-A-P-I-S-M dot com. I don't want to lose it this time. I've got to save this one because they have these, uh, Toxicity, acute toxicity charts, nice color charts. Better send this over to friends and family. They may not have time for it, but 
you know, it's sort of like after you have a health emergency, then you find the time to uh, find out what's going to work for your health. And, um, Who knows, are we that fortunate or or not? We don't know. We're going to survive a crisis every time. But we could do, I guess we could all do better and Do the best we can each day. Alrighty. Hope I didn't leave anybody out here. Oh. I hope not. Oh well. Guess what works for one doesn't necessarily work for everybody. But let's see. Let's see. We left off with acute toxicity chart life-threatening one-time doses paraceta para paraceta mal acetaminophen tylenol panadol 2400 milligrams per body kg body weight in kg 2400 slightly toxic we have vanilla fructose what is spinal side organic insecticide 3,700 milligrams. Fructose, 4,000 milligrams. Eugenol is clove oil, organic pesticide. 2,700 milligrams. Mm. Hydrogen, hydrogen peroxide. 70% bleach disinfectant 1000 milligrams these are all slightly toxic theobromine in chocolate tea and guarana 950 milligrams Slightly toxic. Mm. 
moderately toxic. She listed copper sulfate, chloropyrifos, caffeine, lead, DDT, rotenone, moderately toxic, and she says copper sulfate organic fungicide, 300 kilograms, moderately toxic, chlorophyrifos is organophosphate insecticide, chloro Chlorpyrifos, organic phosphate insecticide, 230 mg, moderately toxic. Caffeine, natural pesticide, coffee plant, 190 mg. Oh, they're getting smaller and smaller. Lower doses. Okay. And DDT, that's, she just absolutely puts the uh, red circle with the line through it on top of a bullet to say, don't even go there, I guess. DDT, restricted insecticide, 100 MGs. Rotinone, restricted organic pesticide, 60. Yeah, the dosage is getting smaller. Toxic. The toxicity is getting higher with these smaller numbers. The next group, highly toxic, vitamin D3, oh my goodness, vitamin D3 supplements, fish, mushrooms, 37, 37 kg per kilogram body weight. Nicotine, natural, pesticide, tobacco, ten kgs per body weight per bu- per pound of body weight. Mycotoxins, T two. Plant pathogens, moldy grain, five, ooh, aflatoxin, soil fungus, moldy foods, five, all of these are highly toxic. 
hydrogen cyanide. Oh, hydrogen cyanide. Fruit pits. Bitter cassava. Four. Ooh, highly toxic. Look at this. My, my, my. Botulinum toxin. Botox. Clostridium. Botulism. Botulinium. Zero point zero zero one MGs per kilogram of body weight. Highly toxic. Mm-mm-mm. These are measures of toxicity on thought escapism. And there's quite a bit of information on all these different links and archives going back to 2015 February on this page. Okay, this is one way we can learn more about chemicals we don't know is to put them into context by comparing them with more familiar exposures. Acute toxicity comparisons are helpful for reminding us that any substance can cause great harm if the dose is high enough. However, as Allison writes, (sighs) most real human exposures are not acutely lethal, but have other long-term or chronic effects that may or may not be toxic. Thus, LD50s are not very useful in, when considering health effects of the large majority of human exposures. And that isn't even the only drawback with the LD50 measurement. Oh, see, we could go down the rabbit hole. Because this just... That's just the acute toxicity. She has a whole a whole list here on chronic toxicity. Wow. And just 
unlimited links all over the page and the margins everywhere. Again, this is thoughtscapism.com. T H O U G H T S C A P I S M dot com. The classic LD fifty experiment and the use of the metric itself have several drawbacks. One, the fatality rates may vary from experiment to experiment due to diet genetics and many other factors. Number two, lethal doses may vary. Lethal doses may differ differ between species. What is poisonous to dogs may not be so poisonous to us. And number three, there are major ethical problems with killing a large number of lab animals for ambiguous or non-essential information. Essentially, the data from these experiments are unreliable and not very useful making the ethics of these experiments highly problematic. You can read more. You can read more about the criticism of LD50 in a 1981 paper, Significance of the LD50 Test for the Toxicological Evaluation of chemical substances and that's a link a blue link most developed countries abolished the requirement for LD50 testing in 2001 by OECD agreement replacing it with tests that use far fewer animals with lower non-lethal doses, alternate methods of acute toxicity testing include the up-down procedure, acute toxic class method, 
and others described in greater detail in this post at compound interests. Some acute toxic toxicity values are now reported as greater than 5,000 mg slash kg. A dose level at which tests will no longer proceed. Unless the intended use of a chemical is to instantly kill, say, rat poison, exactly how much of the substance is lethal to a certain portion of various mammals, it is not, is not a very useful measurement. Is it really so important to know what dose of a substance will have a 50-50 chance of killing an animal if we already know it will cause health problems at a much lower dose? Touche, good point. Chronic toxicity outside of cases of acute poisoning. Most of the time, we are interested in finding the lowest level of daily exposure that causes harm. As mentioned above, LD50 values give us very little information about these long-term effects. Instead, chronic toxicity metrics are based on the, quote, lowest observable adverse effects level L O A E L and the quote no observable adverse effects level N O A E L. These are experimentally determined metrics defined as the lowest dose at which adverse effects are seen. L O A E L. Or the dose at which no adverse effects are seen in OAEL. These measures are 
much more useful in guiding regulations and personal choices to ensure that we avoid adverse health effects, whether it be an increased risk of cancer, heart disease, neurodevelopmental problems, or other adverse effects. The daily limits set through assessments by regulatory agencies are based on these N-O-A-E-L or L-O-A-E-L. These metrics are estimates of the daily exposure to humans that is likely to be without appreciable risk of deleterious effects throughout the entire lifetime. These are typically derived by dividing the NOAELs or LOAELs by a set of uncertainty factors. For more details, see Allison's piece, how these are calculated. Examples of these chronic toxicity metrics include Reference dose, RFD, in the U.S. Reference dose, especially for pesticides. Acceptable daily intake, ADI, in the EU, for additives pesticides, and drugs. Tolerable daily or weekly intakes, TDI or TWI, for contaminants not used intentionally. Tolerable. Upper Intake levels, UL, in connection to dietary reference intake, DRI, information for foodstuffs, minerals, and vitamins, reference intakes, R-I for daily nutrient recommendations in the EU. 
for a detailed discussion on how the RFD and ADI limits are determined, you can read Allison's piece, Glyphosate and Caffeine, Acute and Chronic Toxicity Assessments Explained. That's a blue link. Okay, Chronic Toxicity. This is her chart. Acceptable daily intakes of minimal concern. Substance, water found in, you know this one, limit, looks like 50,000 mg's per kg. Okay, and it seems that the um, list of items in the chart are just about the same as the other. This one has lead from batteries, cables, and paints at zero dot double o seven MGs. Caffeine, coffee, tea, chocolate, zero dot double zero three MGs per kg. We did vitamin D three supplements and fish. Zero dot double zero two MGs. And the rest of them are the same. Limits of Comparing toxicity metrics. Metrics are often misused to say, quote, substance X is more or less toxic than substance Y, close quote. However, even the best metrics are only a part of the story. Such oversimplified statements ignore whether we are talking about acute toxicity or chronic toxicity. People often reply to arguments about chronic toxicity with LD50 based comparisons because chemicals have different properties. Sometimes a substance that is technically more acutely toxic can be less chronically 
toxic. For example, in the charts, in the piece, cyanide is more acutely toxic with an LD50 of 4 mg's per kg than lead. With the lowest single lethal dose recorded at 155 mg per kg, almost 40 times higher. However, because lead accumulates in biological tissues, whereas cyanide does not, chronic low levels of lead add up and cause harm over time. This example highlights the difficulty in making blanket statements about the relative toxicity of different substances. That is not to say that comparisons of toxicity metrics as indicators of general potential to cause harm are completely off-base. Often they can give some broad indications about general toxicity. MSG, sugar, glyphosate, and many other substances do keep their rough relative positions in both toxicity tables. Glyphosate remains one of the least harmful of pesticides in acute and chronic regards, while coffee is quite potently toxic in both, but these comparisons are only a rudimentary first sketch of the relative risk these substances pose to us. Toxicity metrics also tell us nothing about actual exposures in risk assessments. It is the comparison of metrics to likely or actual exposure levels that is important. An example of this kind of assessments here in a recent Danish paper on pesticides, pesticide risks, which sets ADI levels in context, in context with exposure data to arrive at a relative hazard index for four classes of substances which we have 
also touched on in our piece, and she's included the Danish metrics in a chart here. It's uh, just about out of time for this segment, less than three minutes. But it's there online. These metrics are benchmarks that scientists and regulators can use to guide risk assessment and mitigation. Metrics are also specific to the route of exposure. For example, oral and inhalation metrics are calculated differently. It is important to use the correct metric when making comparisons. Safety limits are set very cautiously. And that's another three, four paragraphs. Conclusion after that, another four, five paragraphs. And references, more paragraphs, and plenty of links. Yeah, this is a good one. Thoughtscapism.com For all the science and food science and health nuts like myself, hope you enjoyed it. And check it out. Thank you for listening. Take care. Stay healthy. Part 2 of Thoughtscapism. Thoughtscapism.com Continuing. Safety limits are set very cautiously. Note that intakes above these limit levels are not necessarily very dangerous, especially not in the short term. Chronic toxicity metrics assume that daily consumption over a lifetime. So short-term exposure to a level higher than the reference dose can still be safe. For example, the reference dose for paracetamol slash acetaminophen is 0.093 mg per day, which is 10 times below the actual therapeutic dose of 9.3 mg over kg for short-term use. This higher dose poses a minimal risk because it will 
taken daily over an entire lifetime. For paracetamol, the therapeutic level, which is intended for short-term use, is equal to the L-O-A-E-L. In calculating the reference dose for chronic exposure purposes, regulatory agencies at a large safety margin to arrive at a daily limit of minimal concern because of a therapeutic dose taken over long term has been linked with an increase in liver enzyme levels. That the safety limit of one substance is similar to another also does not mean that exceeding that limit for either of the substances would carry similar risk. Exceeding our daily reference dose for caffeine is commonplace and the resulting adverse effects on heart rate, sleeping, and mood are small risks we are easily willing to take for, for the benefit of being alert, whereas exceeding the regulatory exposure limit to lead would offer no benefit and exposure has very severe unwanted consequences. Conclusions These toxicity metrics are a critical starting point to help us begin to compare risks from different chemicals. We are continuously exposed to a great many substances, some of which may pose a threat if encountered in too high a concentration too often or via an inappropriate route of exposure, i.e. approved for dermal use but not oral ingestion. Meanwhile, many of these substances are necessary for us in their appropriate amounts. And while there are many others we don't require 
we easily tolerate them in low doses. It is important to remember that there are safe and unsafe levels of any substance and that even regulatory safe classifications always come with caveats of probability and context like the type of use as explored further by Allison in her article on how safe is safe that's a blue link I will lead you to her report continuing although no substance can be considered absolutely safe the mere detection of a substance does not tell us whether its presence may pose a problem or that we must compare detections and exposure levels with these metrics to inform us about whether something actually poses a risk. The acute and chronic toxicity measurements highlighted in this piece both have their utility, but they can only set a benchmark for comparison to determine when a substance is or is not harmful. For a better understanding of the likelihood of harm from exposures in between, including risks of trying to avoid exposure, you need to rely on proper risk assessments, knowing how easy it is to intuitively jump into conclusions about risk. We have delved into the topic in depth in our series, Risk in Perspective, and particularly Zero risk is an impossible dream. Those are two blue links to read more. For more about 
substances in agriculture and medicine. You can find articles under farming and GMOs and vaccines and health. Those are blue links that we can click on. She has one here for vaccines and health. Right on time, I think. I have to click on that one. If you would like to have a discussion in the comments below, please take note of my commenting policy. In a nutshell, one, be respectful. Two, back up your claims with evidence. and health, climate and energy, fiction, more and more, and you can follow, uh-oh, I don't want to lose that, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, let's see if we can go back. go back, back, back to the uh, food science spot where I can jump back in. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Let's see. Is this the right way? Here it is. times to get vaccines and health to come back. um, Yeah, here it is. Save this page. (laughs) I don't want to lose this. Okay, I'm sure this is going to be another hour and a half. So, we'll just take a quick look. This is my first look. Okay. Let's see real quick. 
how much information These are some of the blue links. We'll we'll go over those real quick first. Um, it's uh, so many of them, but uh, here's a sample of some of the blue links you could click on on the vaccines and health page hazard and risks are critically different things hazards are not all created equal zero risk is an impossible dream population risk does not equal individual risk those are some good ones what else do they have here do we fear the right things oh it's exemplified with a quiz about mythical and real cancer risk Wow, this is a good page. And then under medicine alternative, medicine nutrition has alternative medicine been studied enough? Research on infant feeding favors options breast and bottles does glyphosate glyphosate cause cancer hazard versus risk glyphosate and health effects A through C does glyphosate Arm gut bacteria. Oh, here's a good topic. Vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Myths. The great myths of vaccines and autism. Okay, and then the simple math of herd immunity. Myth. No studies compare health of vaccinated versus unvaccinated people a look at population comparison studies and unexpected secondary health benefits of vaccines These are all blue links to click on under vaccine facts and vaccine myths. Seven reasons why you really don't want to have measles. The intriguing case of 
narcolepsy and swine flu reasons to love the rotavirus vaccine main sources of vaccine information other sites addressing vaccine myths Oh, good. Mercury in retrograde. No more thermos thimerosal in vaccines, but it never caused ill effects. Oh, boy. Gotta read this stuff. Aluminum in perspective. Should you worry about aluminum in vaccines? Should you worry about formaldehyde in vaccines? Formaldehyde in us and vaccines. Wow. Gotta read all this stuff. I hope you have time to check some of it out. Because it's, it's going to require so so many hours and hours and hours of reading and then it will mean going down more rabbit holes <laughs> more rabbit holes to get a better understanding so this uh, this could be a whole year of just reading just on the vaccines and maybe years of reading all the information this so much here. Many people want to emphasize the importance of personal choice in the matter of health issues such as vaccines. They don't feel comfortable simply accepting the conclusion handed down by an authority they don't trust. What makes this difficult is that medicine is a matter of science. So why should they trust science? What makes science different from an authority? And how can lay people differentiate a good source from a bad one? You can read the long answer to that in my post, Why Science? Why Science? A blue link. For the short version, I quote, Richard Feynman, quote, science is a way of trying not to fool yourself. The principle is that you must not fool yourself and you are the easiest person to fool. <laughs> Close quote. That's cute. 
by vaccine and health infographics. Please read more about each in the corresponding pieces listed above. The less obvious ones to find more about, quote, severe reactions to vaccines are rare, close quote. In seven reasons why you really don't want to have measles and, quote, when you talk about science, sometimes it feels like no one listens. It's a lot of typo errors in here. <laughs> you have to figure out what the word means. <laughs> okay. They want you to trust their science. They better get rid of some of these basic errors quote when you talk about science sometimes if it feels like no one listens end quote science communication main is found in injecting kindness into the debate that's a blue link as well as why it's so hard to talk about GMOs. That's a blue link. Formaldehyde. Formaldehyde in us and vaccines. This is a baby naturally has between 12 and 240 times more formaldehyde in her blood than there is in one vaccine shot. And these are the people that are, or this is the point of view that it says vaccine does not, is not lead to or cause autism and you can say what you want but you know there's plenty of evidence and plenty of people that will bring you the the uh, direct opposite of that and well-qualified medical doctors that will bring you the opposite information so we each have to do our own research and find out what is appropriate in our situation with our medical professionals our medical doctors, nurses, and other medical provider, because this is not a one-size-fits-all. 
master of complementary and alternative medicine CAM on CAM proponents reaction to scientific research into alternative medicine quote the realization that rigorous scientific scrutiny often generated findings which were not what proponents had hoped for led to a sharp decline in the willingness of CAM proponents to conduct rigorous tests of their hypotheses. Consequently, many asked whether science was such a good idea after all. Okay, that gives you a lot to think about. Whew. Mercury in retrograde posted on September 6th. No, it was small. September 8th, mercury many people fear mercury because of the unknown poisonous properties of methylmercury although that is not the form found in thimerosal when it dissociates it releases ethylmercury Due to this precautionary fear, thimerosal was removed from childhood vaccines in 2002. Forced license of tuna contain as much mercury is one flu shot but the flu shot variety does not bioaccumulate 
thimerosal was removed from most vaccines due to public concern. No evidence of harm was found. Fish mercury is bound to a methyl group in the gut. 95% of that is absorbed into the bloodstream and remains for months or more in the flu shot. Mercury is bound to an ethyl group a form excreted within days. There are many examples where a small difference in a substance makes a big impact in its effects on us. Sources the WHO, WHO, World Health, World Health Organization statement on thimerosal, FDA reports on mercury levels in commercial fish and shellfish, 1990. 2010 and thimerosal in vaccines. Oh, that's kind of small, but okay, the eyes are doing fine here. Oh boy. Thimerosal was removed from most vaccines due to public concerns. No evidence of harm was found. Ethyl or methyl, it can make a difference. Oh, it's getting smaller. Just my eyes. I'm done with pigging out on tuna fish. 
I'm done with that. <laughs> Ooh. Mm-mm-mm. And they wanted seems to taste the best that Albacore. I've been reading that it has the highest amount of mercury. So, oh my goodness. And her chart says fish mercury is bound to a methyl group. In the gut, 95% of that is absorbed into the bloodstream and remains for months or more. In the flu shot, mercury is bound to an ethyl group, a form excreted within days. slices are pretty pretty large that looks like more than they look like they're at least a one ounce slice each one would easily fill up a tablespoon slices of tuna contain as much mercury as one flu shot but the flu shot variety does not bioaccumulate thimerosal was removed from most vaccines due to public concerns no evidence of harm was found. Ethyl or methyl, it can make a difference. One half cup of ethyl alcohol warms your mouth. One half cup is 
is a cocktail one and a half teaspoon of methyl alcohol can blind you one half cup will kill Please see end of this post for details. Note, a methyl group is not a problematic element per se or more problematic than an ethyl group. The effects of a compound always depend on the molecular context. Methylation of DNA and proteins is a part of normal and healthy cell regulation, for instance. mercury in our bodies is surprising, highlighting the shortcomings of in vitro test tube or petri dish studies as reliable indicators of effects on living organisms. From the review, toxicity of ethylmercury and thimerosal, a comparison with methylmercury. In vitro studies comparing ethylmercury with methylmercury, and she's using or whoever wrote this is using the uh, chemical shorthand in vitro studies comparing ET capital H small g ethyl mercury with small m small e capital H small g methyl mercury in vitro studies comparing Ethyl mercury with methyl mercury demonstrate equivalent measured outcomes for cardiovascular, neural, and immune cells. However, under in vivo conditions, evidence indicates a distinct toxicokinetic profile between methylmercury and ethylmercury 
favoring a shorter blood half-life, attendant compartment distribution, and the elimination of methyl mercury compared with methyl mercury. I'd rather use a plant-based. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, you think you're doing something by cutting out just about everything you call yourself eating clean. And then you find this out. Oh my goodness. Differences between in vitro and in vivo effects can be profound, which is hardly a surprise for biologists, and the fact that small differences in molecular makeup can play a big role is rather commonplace in the world of chemistry. Put in the words of the credible she hawk and that's a blue link you can you can click on credible she hawk in chemistry compounds have different physical properties than the constituent elements in chemistry compounds have different physical properties than the constituent elements of which they are comprised. I'll read it again. In chemistry, compounds have different physical properties than the constituent elements of which they are comprised. For example, elemental sodium is explosive and elemental chlorine is a poisonous gas. Yet, sodium chloride is just table salt. Chemistry compounds have different physical properties than the constituent elements of which they are comprised. For example, elemental sodium is explosive and elemental chlorine is a poisonous gas, yet sodium chloride is just table salt. <laughs> There's a cute meme here that says too many people are counting chemicals when not enough people are taking chemistry. <laughs> 
sometimes molecules have an identical composition but look like mirror images of each other akin to our right and left hands and they may have completely different effects the drug the little mind owed its geratogenicity to the different effects of its right and left sided versions. For some drugs, only one stereo isomer. class was like dying and going to hell <laughs> it's all that was just too much too much too much oh okay see that was just one of those many many blue links and already we've used almost one hour on just one of those many links okay well that was thoughtscapism or thoughtscapism.com where you can find lots of food science chemistry and more vaccines and health and environment and health and just about everything else around health and food okay stay healthy take care bye bye